Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week, I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. Hey there, my wise friends, and a warm, warm welcome to another episode of Collective Wisdom. I received a really lovely email from my friend Adana on a yesterday. She has her own episode. Uh, you might want to take a listen. But she shared a quote from the poet Mary Oliver that really resonated. Joy is not made to be a crumb. And I discovered when I came to look it up a tiny prose poem called Don't Hesitate, which contains such a poignant message for a time when the world feels so broken that I wanted to share it with you. Don't Hesitate by Mary Oliver. If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We're not wise and not very often kind. And much can never be redeemed. Still, life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is its way of fighting back. That sometimes something happens better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything. Be very likely you notice it in the instant when love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. I'm so grateful to Adana and I know she's running some workshops with Invicta writers. If you're interested in exploring what brings you joy, you can go and check it out at InvictaWriters.com. And that brings me on to my guest this week, Evelyn Brink, who is also a writer and a singer and who now uses everything she's learned on her incredible journey through life to help others access the performer inside of them and have a greater impact. Evelyn has an infectious energy that tells me she's very good at accessing joy. She shares a lot of wisdom, but her final message that we come from love, we go back to love and we are love. And in fact, that humans are the only species to generate love. How cool is that? Really seems to be on the cards for today. And what Mary Oliver was saying is that if we take a moment to notice it, that moment when love begins is always a moment of pure joy. Certainly my time spent with Evelyn sharing stories brought me a lot of joy and I hope you'll find the same. I'm so excited to be sharing with you today the gorgeous creative energy and enthusiasm that is Evelyn Brink or the Evelyn Brink as she sometimes introduces herself. Evelyn has an extraordinary capacity for creating the impossible. As a coach, she describes herself as a wild woman, a witch, and a magic wand or secret weapon to her clients. Some of her own impossible feats include going from being told by doctors she would never dance again to touring the world as the number one Madonna impersonator the following year, or raising a son who is now the first survivor of being born with no small intestine, having been told that there was little or no hope for a baby with his life-limiting condition. Evelyn wants to see a world where we aren't constantly made to feel like we aren't good enough. Authentically expressed humans leading the way, 
especially women. She's been coaching for over 15 years now, having traded the glitz and glamour of the stage to become a confidence coach. It all starts with her belief that you are not what you do. There's so much more to you than that. Her mantra is create true impact, unleash your brilliance. And who doesn't want to do that? I'm currently in a group training program with Rich Lipfin, and he asked Evelyn to host a couple of the sessions. Her energy is so infectious and her sense of fun is so engaging that I reached out to her straight afterwards to see if she would join me here. And to my absolute delight, she said yes. So a warm welcome, Evelyn. Thank you so much for being here. Is this where we cue them? Yeah, this is where we absolutely get to go. Wow. (laughs) You just bring, yeah, bring everything to everything you do, I would say. You bring that stage performer to your coaching sessions. You bring, it is, I, you know, I like to sort of think about people as being energy givers or energy takers. You're suddenly in the room and you bring all that energy. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I think the best place to start is definitely with the Madonna, because that's just so compelling as a story. How did it come about? How did it happen? Yeah. Well, once upon a time, <laughs> in a land far, far away, uh, when it's all, mm, nom, 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 it happened that I think the first trace of Madonna was actually when I was 16 and I was an exchange student in America and we went to Florida and somebody said, you look like Madonna. And I didn't get it at all. Then we have to fast forward a few years when I had my first record deal with Sony Music and somebody said, that sounds like, you sound like Madonna, like your voice sounds like Madonna. And I was like, okay. And I listened to Madonna's voice and my voice. I'm like, oh yeah, I can... I can hear what you're saying. When Madonna started to mellow out, do you remember when she sang, um, this used to be my playground? That one? Right, yes. Oh. Yeah, because of course we've got the whole evolution of Madonna as well. You know, the exactly. sort of spiky. Madonna. Yeah, Madonna's you know, voice is a thing, right? It's not just one pinpoint, but when she mellowed out, that that timbre, timbre I, I have that on my CD. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I moved to New York City, as you do, and I happened by myself with two suitcases in my hand, dropped in the middle of everything, which is, by the way, Madonna's story too. Is I it? Didn't, yeah, oh. I didn't know that at the time. No. Um, she just said to the cab driver, drop me in the middle of everything. I got a flat in Hell's Kitchen, which is where she was, so just a few blocks away from where she lived. By coincidence, I had no idea about that. And so I lived in the area that Madonna lived when she was young. And I would walk around and the people who would still live there now their heads turned and they would stop me in the street and go oh my god I know you remind me of no you look oh my god you know Madonna lived here when when she was young I carried a vegetable like she came she wouldn't have any money and she came she got vegetables I gave it to her and then she made me carry her water bottles or whatever people would tell me all sorts of stories of Madonna when she was young wow and then I had one contact in the music building, which is the place where Madonna got her first record deal. And I didn't know that at the time because I only read her biographies much, much later. But I was in the lift with that contact and people would come in the lift and look at me and then go back out. And then this woman who was with me, she said, did you just see that? 
she just, do you know, do you know why people are looking at you? People are literally going crazy when they see you. I mean, you know why, you know why, you know why, right? You don't know why. I'm like, no, I don't know. It's because you look like Madonna. My God, don't you know? Madonna, this is where she was. This is where she got her record deal. They see you, they're like falling over backwards because it's like a mental time trip. You know what I'm saying? Like you look so like her and now you're in the blood and so they can't even understand. They don't even say anything. That's what's happening. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, that woman is mental. Whatever. And so, but as time went on and more and more people came forward to tell me that i knew there was something you know and and it became fun especially when the policeman that had cordoned off an area of new york city and i would say excuse me what's going on here i said oh we just had to block this off you look like madonna and i'm like <laughs> are you sure you're not madonna i'm like well i might be would you let me through if i am <laughs> and so the fun fun stuff like that so it became a thing i got the message that I either reminded because of my voice, my body, my looks, or my energy mm. of Madonna. And I took that as a good omen that I was going to be very, very, very successful indeed. And so it is. And so it is. <laughs> and so it is. Exactly. There you go. Thank you. So, the long story with New York, I had my own solo show. Um, in a place called the Firebird Cafe, which was called the best place to hear cabaret in New York City, and it was glorious. And then I was discovered by someone and it was all, it all went a bit weird, like really weird. And I ended up running away very quickly at some, like just disappearing. I had to, cause the story got just too weird. And I went to England and in England, I started again. I had this boy, I had this boyfriend, <laughs> I was in love because I met somebody in Thailand on my trip before New York, as you do. <laughs> so I've got these fun little stories. <laughs> Anywho, so there I am in Brighton, as New York, Brighton, you get it? Like actually Hove, actually. So New York City. Makes sense. Hove, actually. And I started from scratch and I went and got a job as a waitress. And one fine day, a customer said do you know who you remind me of <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like no surprise me you look like madonna has anyone ever told you you look like madonna and i said well kind of <laughs> oh my god do you sing yes can you sing like madonna so they say do you know what you should do? You should do a tribute act. A what? A tribute act. And here's me. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> a tribute act is where you sing the songs of somebody famous and you dress up as them and you, you, you pay tribute to them. You pretend to be them and you sing their songs. And I said to her, I write my own songs. So why, do I, why would I want to do that? Yeah. And then I realized I was carrying coffee. And I thought, wait a minute. So you sing her songs, you dance like her, you dress up like her. I'm a singer, I can sing. I'm a dancer, I can dance, and I'm an actress, I can act. Wait a minute. Wouldn't that be a really cool acting job? And I went, wow. And so I had this epiphany moment that I could make much better money acting uh, with the acting role of madonna then of course being the waitress but that also got me over this um this ego hump 
and the pride because I'm a singer-songwriter in my own right. I had my own one-woman show in a prestigious cabaret place. This is where the, the Broadway performers go and do their solo shows. I had a solo show. Wow. I, I, I can do quality entertainment. So the idea of cheaply imitating someone famous because you didn't quite make it is but when I saw it as an as an acting opportunity, I thought, ooh, interesting. Surely better to act if you're acting rather than to have to act the girl next door or the desperate maiden that needs to be rescued by yet another handsome prince. Could we maybe act the most powerful woman in pop history? Yes, we could. Yes. Because yes. apparently I look like her. Yes. <laughs> So I thought that's an interesting idea. And then the next, the next thing would happen, right? The next thing that happened is I didn't know how to go about it. <laughs> Where do I start? Where do you start? Excuse me. I'm like a major pop star in disguise. Where do I go from here? And what happened was that the, is it called the stage magazine or something that whatever it's called in England? I forgot. I think it's called the stage in England and something else in New York. Anyway, there was a little ad in it that said, looking for tribute acts apply here. And so I mustered all my courage and I phoned them up and left a voicemail and said, hello, my name's Evelyn and I would like to audition for you um, as Madonna. And then they called me back and said, yes, we'd like to see you, please. And so I got my first ever audition in London. <gasps> and, um, and then I didn't pee my pants, but I felt like I should. And I took my song from Sony Music and sang that. Because I couldn't sing a Madonna song, because let's face it, I am not Madonna, and I do actually know that. So <laughs> in, in your head, to go to an audition in London town, from Brighton, I'm a girl from Germany, to go to London and go, I think I could be Madonna. That's, that's just a big fat no for me. So I took my song from Sony Music, I sang that, and I thought, if I'm that much like Madonna, surely they'll recognize it and we'll take it from there. Yeah. And so they did. They thought it really totally sounded like Madonna and they practically begged me um, to be their Madonna impersonator. They bought me my first costumes. They paid for the photo shoots and they put it all together. And they, I mean, they hired everybody in their neighbor to be a tribute of something. It, when I saw the other acts, my heart did sink a bit because it was all very, how do I say it without being totally disrespectful? <clears throat> you know, I'm a yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was that. And so I thought, oh, maybe I'm not that much like Madonna, but I kind of slipped in there because they kind of literally, if somebody dropped out of the ABBA tribute, they couldn't get that. We went on the street and got a random person for the street for the photo shoot, put a wing on them, go be ABBA. So you can be whatever you want to be. <laughs> if you really believe in yourself, Kat, anyone. And it was proven on that day. They didn't have that many high hopes, let's put it that way. But and they also paid for a choreographer to work on choreography. And they booked me my first gig in Purley um, in a diner, in an American diner. And so I did that show, which is the weirdest experience ever, to pretend to be someone you're not, knowing you're not that person and hoping you get away with pretending that there is this game. Anyway, it went well and people loved the show. And, and they were totally blown away they loved it they said we're going to get you so many gigs you're amazing you're awesome they got three gigs or something i don't know anyway then i didn't hear from them again and it was really strange because am i now really good at impersonating this queen of pop 
or am I this cheap act that they said was good, but she's actually so bad that we're just going to let her believe she's good and just gently step away? (laughs) You're so awesome. (laughs) What's what's going on and how would I ever know? Mm. Eventually, I phoned them up and I didn't get any response because the phone line was dead. And months later, I found out they went bust. And that's why, and they were so embarrassed that um, they let us know. So I was free, but I decided in that moment that I wasn't married to that agency. And so then I thought, well, what if I set up on my own? And then I thought, what would be a good domain name if you were a Madonna tribute act? And I thought, well, probably the one you can't have, which is madonnatribute.com, but let's see. And then that was free cat. <gasps> a sign. That was available. That was a sign clearly. So I booked that and I became madonnatribute.com. And then I approached agents. It's this long freaking story but it's it's what it's really cringy because it takes a long time to get good at anything let alone being the queen of pop you know it's not just something you master in a day people um although i'd love to sell you on the idea that i did but i did not the bit about it and i can well believe that you would be an amazing madonna and i would love to have seen you perform the bit about it that really intrigued me was when you said actually the hardest thing was then once you built up this sort of national following as the Madonna Act, was to step out on stage as yourself. Yeah. So yeah. at what point do you go, hmm, I'm going to try it? At the point I get bored. Right. Okay. So, so, you- so to be clear for your listeners who haven't been there when we talked about this in, in more detail, when my Madonna career really took off was when I dared to not try to be Madonna, but I, I, so this was me doing Madonna, but I dared to let my inner pop star, my inner stage whore, my inner out with a Madonna costume on. Bingo. And when I did that, people were like, oh my God, you're so like Madonna. This is unreal. But to do that was a huge act of courage because how dare you betray your audience and step out of wanting to be Madonna and step into being Evelyn in Madonna costume. Mm. They paid for Madonna. They didn't pay for Evelyn. In fact, nobody pays for Evelyn. (laughs) Music didn't sell, remember? So you're here to do Madonna because with her songs, you sell and people love you. With your songs, not so much. So you do her. And this is the problem as being a tribute. And I'm sure this is uh, translatable to other professions where you are. When a thing works for you and you start believing that that thing is better than you, mm. right? In the tribute industry, and I've, I've had these competitions with other people in Paris, you have to imagine there's Elvis, there's Michael Jackson, there's Britney, there's me, Madge, and there's Celine Dion, there's everybody ish. And we look into the mirror to look at, can I still see me? Or can I see Madonna? Or can I see Britney? Can I see? And the problem is if you see me, it's wrong. Like, how weird is that? Mm. But that's what tributes are obsessed with. We want to be as little ourselves as possible and as much the celebrity. And what you're saying is some of the most powerful tribute acts are probably where you actually put as much of your essence into the act as possible. And I cannot speak for other acts, Mm. but I can say for myself, when I dropped the idea of being Madonna, because I'm not Madonna, <laughs> let Evelyn have her star life, what I'd always been craving for. I love the adoration. I love this 
being so big. I love owning the freaking world. As Madonna, I could allow myself to step on a stage and assume that you are my bitch. Can I say this word on your podcast? You can, you can. It's my podcast and it's allowed. Thank you. I make so, up the rules. And I can walk up to people and, and, and dance at them and just assume that they love me. And that is hot. And that's great because you know who I am. And, and that energy is, is super hot. But most of us don't give ourselves permission for that. I needed the guise of Madonna to give myself permission for that level of audaciousness, that level of I am a superstar and you all and I know it. Yeah. I did not dare to do this as just Evelyn. It's a bit presumptuous. I always used to think I have to get the fame first because before I can justify this strutting about stuff. <laughs> Being me. Being me, but newsflash, that is not so. Like you can actually be however you want to be, especially on a stage. There's so much permission. But anyway, I use the guise of Madonna for that. And that's when my career took off. And I use that now in the coaching context to show people that the mask that we're talking about, some people hide behind a mask. And you can also use it for your liberation. Mm, mm. It's a safe place. The role you have allows you to access parts of a personality you otherwise wouldn't. So whether that is putting on a certain costume, clothing, or a certain makeup, or get your hair done in a certain way, or just assume a role in a position as, for example, the coach, the mentor, whatever, it accepts you access places of your own personality that are otherwise closed. For example, in the mother role, you don't assume that much leadership, maybe. Mm. A good idea if you did. But you could then assume, okay, a role of a mother who has a lot of leadership. And yes. I guess what you're talking about is this break that we put on for ourselves, this yes. kind of we hold ourselves back. Who am I to do this? And yes. your, your coaching is, well, who am I not to do this? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. My coaching is around who are you not to do this and also who cares who you are. Let's do this and then discuss again. Yeah. And let's see what happens when you just allow a little bit of that audacity to come into your life. She's got it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and that's translated into, first of all, confidence coaching, which I think is kind of the, the backbone of what you do, but really the power is in, in making video communication is what I see as being your sort of strength. I'm going to say, thank you. <laughs> that's what you see. Um, but how, you know, so, so if somebody's thinking, hmm, this is, sounds compelling, what, what is this going to do for me? How does your coaching work? So that depends what kind of coaching you are enrolling in. So at the moment, the shop window works with true impact. True impact is that sweet spot between your influence, your authenticity, and your message. And I like to, I like to see that leaders especially get stuck in either that they don't have the, the influence that they need, they might have a lot of authenticity, a lot of message, but they don't have the influence, or they're lacking the authenticity, even though they have a lot of influence and a lot of message, but they don't yet know how to really show up powerfully and vulnerably and connect it as a human. So therefore, they're missing the connection piece, or they're just wonderfully authentic, they might even have influence, but they don't really have a beautifully formed message. So this is where we get stuck and revolve around and like, why are my videos not effective? Why is this not happening? Mm. Why are not recognizing who I am? I work with leaders on establishing your true impact. 
Now, what that means in practical terms is that we're looking at what is actually holding you back from showing up on camera, for example, or on stage, or in the boardroom, or in person, with everything that you've got. No holds barred, fully present, charismatic, captivating, entertaining, powerful, intelligent, all the facets that you have. Like what, what is it that has you not do that? What is it that has you hold you back? And then, of course, I'm not that interested in what holds you back. I am interested in how can we be free with that? And that's what I'm very successful at unleashing my clients, becoming these how do you want to call it? Upgraded, elevated, evolved versions of themselves where it's almost like we travel on the timeline for 10 years, go into the, and this is me in my successful mode where I don't give a fuck about your opinion anymore. And I'm absolutely, utterly brilliant with it, what I do. Come back into your body of now and bring that. And of course, the result is that people are more attracted to you, come into your field, your positioning rises stratospherically in some cases, people don't doubt your fees anymore because it's clear that you're such high caliber because you're in alignment between the brilliance inside you and that which people can perceive. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's the, that's the shop window. That's the first step of why people engage in working with me. They say, Evelyn, help me unleash my brilliance. Show me how to be fully me and powerful in the world. Okay. So we do that. And then Underneath that, this is all fueled from um, a body of work that I call Business by Pleasure, which is something that is coming through me. I'm writing it down as it comes. And it's the idea of questioning the traditional business models, the traditional beliefs around how we go about being powerful, successful, impactful, because they're all quite terms that are steeped in very traditionally masculine traits, which we have learned to adore and adore is the right word which i guess has become the model of success you know if if you don't put a definition of on what success means for you it's all too easy to step into those those definitions that have been presented to us that's right and and even when we have defined our success we'll find that because business is just marinated in traditional masculine models everybody, no matter how evolved you are, you, you'll come up against these these places where it's a really great idea to question, do I really have to? Like Even when people say to me, I want to show up more powerfully, my first question will be, what does that even mean? Yeah, And why? Like, is powerful, in the sense of traditional powerful, is that really the way that you're going to make more clients? Maybe not. No. Maybe it's actually so impactful for you would be, can you be soft? Can you dare to be quiet? Do you know when to pause? There is courage in that. There's wisdom in that. Can we access that? Versus becoming louder and prouder and faster and smarter all the time. Impersonating someone else, perhaps. Perhaps even that. Or impersonating a version of ourselves we think we should be, mm. not the truer self inside. Yeah. <laughs> Deep stuff. So exciting. So, and then, you know, I think this comes from, so I read a little bit of your book, Artpreneur, which is all about, I mean, all of this is steeped in creativity. It's all about expressing yourself in your most creative version of you, I think. And what I love about that was this 
idea that you had a very creative mother who didn't make any money and a, a very um, business-minded, if you like, lawyer father who did make all the money. So there was this sort of, it's got to be this or this. And you mm -hmm. have come to understand how to blend that. Yeah, originally that's what I thought, that that's what I did. So The Entrepreneur is my first book. Um, and and my next book will be a different one. But, <laughs> but that was okay. my old stuff. <laughs> it was it is my old stuff, and it's and I really needed to write that because as an artist, we come with a whole baggage, mindset baggage of what it means to to be creative, and it usually is again infused with a lot of poverty thinking and starving artist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Starving artist syndrome, like it's really big. And and to love money is like, you know, that's not a good thing. Like you mm -hmm. should be like, yeah, look at your values. And so you're right. The thing is, I have been able to take the best of both worlds and blend them. But by now, no 20 years later, I want to go the step further and say that we're transforming into a whole different model of being and a different model of of working in the world. And so that's the that's the business by pleasure philosophy. It it's the idea is that we fuel from pleasure and that the feminine is very, very powerful. That the creative is not just for creatives. You don't have to be a creative to be creative in it. But it's every human being is innately creative. Didn't Picasso say that? They just forget. Yeah. All creative. So what are we creating with the canvas of our lives? And then how are we creating? Is there a way for us to create with less efforting and more ease? Is there a way for us to create with less having to and more because I want to? And is there a way to integrate our whole being? And that includes our central aspects. I love the word pleasure because it's so sens sensual. Mm. And I think that sexuality is a place of creativity. I mean, it literally is. That's how we create and procreate. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so can we go there? Can we, can you bring all of that rawness, that wild, those energies, those core energies into our beings and see what wants to come from there? So my terminology of creativity has expanded a big time. It's really not limited to art and craft. No. And, and I mean, I love that. I, I love that. And I didn't know. It. And I think when you start to put it in terms of sexuality, it makes much more sense around the masculine and the feminine yes. because we're very different beings sexually as well. You know, that kind of starts to, oh yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. And nowadays we have to frame it a little bit because the conversation is evolving into the gender neutral, transgender, very mm, common, mm. That personally I'm catching up on as well. Because I identify being much more fluid around. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm somebody who identifies as female, and I understand some people do not, and that this fluid gender discussion is important. And when I use the term masculine and feminine, they don't mean man or woman. They're not gender. They are a, a summary of 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 a concept of characteristics. So mm. It's an abbreviation for what is so masculine would be a traditional linear goal-oriented, task-oriented, action-oriented, penetrative, penetrative, they're going for it, bah, bah, bah. and the feminine is the wild, unpredictive, creative, receptive, nurturing qualities. Which is so funny because that straight away takes me to yin and yang. Correct. I spent a lot of time in Asia. 
And that isn't really, I mean, we put gender onto it, you know, the light and the dark and the masculine and feminine, but, but actually yin and yang was just about, we have a little bit of all of that in all of us to make yes. us whole. Yeah. Correct. I've started to use more yin and yang language to get out of the, wait a minute, I'm gender fluid. How does that mean? And, 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 the, and that, which is a really important conversation. And I, again, like I'm still following, I'm still growing, I'm still learning. So forgive me if I'm mm. not but that's why yin and yang could be an easier or more helpful terminology and the other piece that's interesting there is there are some qualities where we get hung up on for example um strength and power and fierceness seem traditionally oh that must be masculine so so the feminine that often goes and dissolves into this like a pattern wearing floral dress um uh, I've got fresh flowers in the background. Flowers, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so feminine. I've got long hair and I'm really soft and I'm really receptive and all that stuff. The feminine is actually also incredibly fierce because yeah. a mama bear will rip you to shreds if you approach her young. For and sure. so the mama goose and any other mama that you get too close to, we are fierce, we're powerful. That's not stepping into our masculine. That is pure, fierce, freaking mama bear feminine. Mm. So, the I don't know that the yin includes that piece, but I like to anyway. I like to poke at everything a little bit. And sometimes we just need to create our own version because that is us, isn't it? But I I I think what I respond to with yin and yang is how it's kind of an ancient observation, mm -hmm. as opposed to I think we're all very good at saying I just came up with this yesterday, and when we go back into sort of oh meditation that's been with us for millennia um yin and yang it, it, these are these are sort of concepts that i guess we're we're evolving into but they've they've been there if we care to look all along that's the beauty of it for me my eyes have gotten, have gotten stuck on your jewelry it's so beautiful <laughs> and that's for me that's for me creativity that's about putting yes. tangible beauty out into the world and i guess there's there's that piece around what are you going to do with that creativity? What, you know, you can, it, it helps you transcend that, that sort of sadness inside yourself. You know, the, the sort of Leonard Cohen thing about the cracks are where the light gets in. And often creativity is the point at which we can start to express ourselves. And if you don't, if you don't do anything creative, if you don't come up with any new ideas or, paint the kitchen or make jewelry or anything, I think it does in the end come back to bite you. If you are somebody who needs to create, then what you just said, I find is accurate. And not everybody is that way inclined. Mm. So creativity comes in different shapes and forms and sizes. Now as artists, because you and me both have an artistic streak, so we are called to create something new, to make something out of nothing. In your case, jewelry, which is stunning. If any one of your listeners hasn't seen it yet, they really should. It's just mind-blowing, the beautiful. And in my case, it comes into music, words. Uh, what do I do? Performance, mm. comedy, jokes. I, I make, I create experience, performance, music, language, all that sort of stuff. And you're right. If I don't, when I don't do that, it really comes to bite me in the bum. Yeah. And as we already said, creativity comes in different ways. So if you come from corporate world and you want to set up your own business, when you land in my world, 
I treat that as a creative project because you're creating a new life, you're creating a new entity, you're creating a business. Um, when you will come to me and say, Evelyn, I want to learn how to have more clients. Can you show me how to uh, position myself and work on my personal brand? Then I can either say, oh gosh, there's a million people who do that. Or I can say, well, here's what I can do with you. We can create you the way that you've always wanted to be in the world. And we can create a business and we create a, what you call a positioning, but it's literally creating an expression of you that resonates with the people that you want in your world. But it's artistic that everything here will be a creation. And you have to get really intentional about that. I think that's the other thing. It's almost like making a commitment to that. It doesn't always appear fully formed. There are iterations, you know, a bit like your first book. And now it's evolved into, oh, this is actually much more the messaging. This is how I'm. So I've got a yes and a no to that one as well, if I may. Good, good. We love yes and no's. Good. Okay. So yes, of course, you can be intentional about that. And that's wonderful. Um, And if I'm really honest, what I see me doing and some of my clients doing is actually trusting in a bigger unfolding. Mm. So we don't always know what it's going to be. I did not, I I tried to write the book backwards. I did a little bit, but at some point, because I got stuck so many times, sometimes you just got to sit down and just start writing and start writing whatever nonsense comes out of you until you get an idea that you can then fully form. So, and you know, people say a lot, you commit to it and it sounds great, but those of us who find it difficult to commit to something because we haven't yet got the thing to commit to can feel uh, like we're not good enough or we can't get there because we can't commit. And I want to say to those people, don't worry about it so much. Don't sweat this because actually it can go the other way around too. You can also open up to a bigger wisdom. You can can trust a bigger unfolding to come through you. You can simply throw out the prayer to be used by source or however, which source, brown source, red source? (laughs) (laughs) Mayonnaise, I mean, take one that's that doesn't stain too much because otherwise it's just hard work. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and this is music to my ears because one of the things that came out of the session that you did as part of rich litvin's program was um something that appeals to me is seeing people especially as a as a jewelry designer in a sort of multifaceted way that we all have so much more to us than just the straight here's what you see you know and that often we don't get a chance because of the way society is constructed. You go and be a dentist or a doctor or a lawyer, or you don't get a chance to really express all of that multifaceted aspect of your personality, of your psyche, of who you are. Mm. And it's when you start to put those pieces together and they, they make sense even together. That's when I, so you start to feel, that's when I feel like, oh, there's a whole me being expressed now by expressing these little elements of me, by moving from one thing to another, even though there's a narrative in my head that says, oh, it's so fickle and you haven't stuck with anything. And those are, the, those are my people. Those are the people I love working with. We talked about um, diamond people. I like to say that I work with diamond people because I discovered that those of us who are multifaceted often struggle with being understood in the world. 
Because when we show too much of ourselves, people were like, okay, that's cool. And I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> or if you're in a business, for example, coaching, and you go, I'm a coach, but I'm also a comedian and a singer songwriter and like Europe's number one Madonna impersonator and an author and a speaker and a mom and a brilliant person and a jewelry designer. And um, what then it's like, okay, cool. So you must be a jack of all trades, master of none. And people are turned off or they walk away. And we're always encouraged to niche ourselves, be specific, be that one thing, be the go-to person. And then that's where our trouble begins because the creatives amongst us with all these brilliant many ideas and many facets then go seriously uh, oh the one thing i am i guess is anxious uh, <laughs> other than that not sure something around empowerment maybe uh transformation i help people change their lives yay come to me if you want to change your life anyone want to change their life? <laughs> not really thanks okay bye <laughs> <laughs> So what I've what I've coined I coined the term of the multifaceted diamond person, the diamond person because a diamond has many many facets and the light shines on one at a time or more at the time but you don't have to show everything at once. Mm. It's like when you show one thing, you set say you were a coach, or as I like to say, you coach because there's no such thing as a coach. What, you were born a coach, you're a bus, you have, how many wheels do you have? How many PS? No, you're a human being and you've learned the skill of coaching for which you charge. Fine, good with me. So let's say you're one of these people who have acquired the masterful skill of coaching and you apply that in the world and you want other people to understand that you're bloody good at it, in it? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> then we need to develop, or it's really handy to develop a messaging and a presentation, a positioning that really transmits that you are in service of other people in a specific way, which is why, for example, in my case, I've created this work around create true impact, unleash your brilliance. You come to me because you want to elevate your, the way you're showing up in the world. And you know, when you come to someone like to someone like me, you come to me, that's what's going to happen here. And mm. there are thousand media coaches and a thousand confidence coaches and a thousand whatever coaches but there's only one Evelyn Brink if you want that kind of magic where you allow yourself to be questioning everything but with fun that everybody is on your side even though you've just taken away their point of view <laughs> but they're laughing and loving it that, that's one of these quirky things that we can learn if you want to learn how to present unashamedly your deepest, most powerful message and how to find it in the first place and then become a person that's daring enough to share it in a way that's even fun and pleasurable, then you probably want to come to me. If you want to know how to quickly and effectively convince somebody to buy from you, that's probably someone else. Exactly. Like, that's not me, right? I ugh. Say this and then people will do that. No, that's not me. So the point is, if you want to show a specific side of yourself, then we can create a world around that side. Now, for those of us who have more than one side, and that's kind of everyone, we then want to learn to pivot and show the other facets as time goes on, unless you get totally bold and open up in a way that's understandable. And so that's the nuances. As soon as you make one formula, you have to almost take it away, right? I say, show one side at a time, but then as soon as I finished that sentence, it's like, and now let's show everything. Yeah. But if I start with show everything, people are running away. So everybody has a different path. 
But my job is to help you find where you stand right now and what it takes for you to do the thing that you actually want to do right now. And then to integrate that with all that you are and allow you to have it all. Right? So I've had clients who are artists and uh, business people and academics and, and they have their own business and they want to know how to bring it all together. We don't smush it into one spot. But there is a way to create yourself that allows you to have it all. It's not always having it all at the same time, but it's also not having it all at not the same time. It's finding that dance for you where it becomes really satisfying. Yeah. And that, that makes total sense. You know, it does, it does sound like for a lot of people, you, you hang on to an identity for safety. You know, because if you let go of that, then who are you? And what we're doing is really excavating the who are you underneath. I love the way you just said that. Yeah. And I also love that you said that makes sense because I know that I contradicted myself at least three times in the last paragraph. But that's what makes sense. It makes total sense. Yeah. That's what makes sense. And that to me is this elevation because when we go to the higher level, the contradictions of the lower levels make sense. That's the beauty yeah. of it. And some of this is even steeped in highly practical. I mean, some of your tips are, you know, what you do with your Zoom background. They can be, they can be things, tangible things that you can really grasp onto in the midst of what can sound a little bit esoteric otherwise. Um, if I, I love talking, but it's very important to me that my clients walk out transformed, changed, and actually know what to do. Mm, mm. and not feel like they know what to do. They actually do things differently. So yes, when it comes to impact work, it goes all the way to the nitty gritty practical things of what lipstick works best. How do I do my hair? Yeah. What's, what do I need for my background? What lights do I use? And there's nothing in my world that's too small a question. Because I know for one, that what can hold a person back from doing a video is literally the color of your nails. Yeah. The fact that you haven't had them done there has been plenty of times that has been my reason why I can't do the video today. Oh. I have to, you know, yeah. but, but that's symptomatic for why. So number one, yes, it's nice to have good nails. I recommend it. But even if your nails aren't perfect, you can go and transmit a kick-ass message. Like don't let that hold you back. But how do you become the person that is really cool with that? Mm. That, that you do step in front of the camera voluntarily with or without makeup, with or without your nails, in full glory of your intention, or even without the intention, it doesn't matter. But that freedom is what I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is a beautiful word, freedom. And I think, essentially, that's what we're all kind of craving underneath all of this is a freedom to express ourselves, to be ourselves, to operate in a way that doesn't feel like it's surrounded by the shoulds and the expectations. I agree. I think the reason why we want to make money is that we have choices and that having choices is giving us a sense of freedom. Yeah. The way, and the reason why we need to express ourselves is because we want to have lived our life. When you get to the end of your days and you look back, the, the, the regret is rarely, oh, I wish I hadn't expressed myself that much. I wish I'd been more quiet and fitted in more. Nobody says that. No. But the amount of people who say, I wish I dared to do the thing. I wish I dared to say the thing. Yeah. I wish I tried that thing. And life isn't a dress rehearsal. Yeah. 
unless you love dress rehearsals. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, I was hearing the other day about um, this amazing uh, film producer who used to, he'd film all the rehearsals because often he got the best take in the rehearsal and then the the actual take, you know, there's pressures off, that's fine. There is a magic in the rehearsal space as well. There is, there is. I can go on for ages about that piece. Exactly. Now, moving things on though, kindness is part of my DNA just because it's been such a a sort of a source of uh, a compass, if you like. If in doubt, what's the kindest thing I can do here? And often I fail on that, you know, because communication is kind, the right sort of communication is kind. And I, you know, I don't always get it right, but I go to that kindness piece because I think it helps us overcome the challenges that we've been talking about, sort of how to, how to get to the bottom of stuff can often be start with being kind to yourself, start with being kind to other people. There's a massive shift for me when I'm worried about doing something. If I can take myself out of myself and start to think about the people that I'm about to serve or, then, then I become braver. I become more able to perform than, than, than when I'm thinking about, it's all about me and what it, they're all looking at me. So what, what if I asked you about a, a story, an act of kindness that's impacted you, what comes up? Oh gosh, so many. Um, but I just, I, you just said, oh no, it's all about me. They're all looking at me. I thought, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the opposite to me. I was just like, no, they need to be over there, not really looking. And I'll be, I'll just. They're not, I, always, I like to say to people, look, it's if they're not looking at you, we really have the problem. <laughs> and would you describe yourself as an extrovert? No. No, interesting. Because an extrovert is actually defined by where you take your energy from. And I find mm. big crowds really hard work. So mm. I also find those, term, those terms a little bit overrated. I present very extrovert and I'm probably 60% extrovert, but 40% introvert. I need a lot of alone time, mm. a lot of time and a lot of space. You wouldn't even believe it. A proper extrovert is out and about, out and about, out and about. I cannot be out and about a lot. <laughs> I go in, I do my Zoom and then bye. Yeah, yeah. And all the better that it is on Zoom. That I, I find that is just a, is. an easier way to interact. Yeah. So um, that was just a piece about, oh, they're looking at me. I'm like, yes, they're looking. <laughs> Imagine you go out on a stage or in a Zoom call or in a boardroom to give a presentation and they're not looking at you. Mm. That's what you should be afraid of, people. <laughs> That's pure rejection. <laughs> that is bad news. They're looking at me. They're looking at me. I hope so. You're all right if they do. Okay, that was that thing. <laughs> I love turning things around. It's just such a joy. It is, it is. But for kindness. Kindness. So are we talking about kindness brought to me or are we talking about me being kind? No, we're talking about kindness. So it, something you remember where something something was done for you it could be the tiniest little thing, but it made such a difference. I love those stories. Me too. So many, I have so many of them, but the first one that comes to mind right now is when I moved away from the, out of the family home, um, from a married home, the married, the marital home, I should say, I had to find somewhere to be, to live. And that was challenging because they want you to have earned 36,000, it was at the time, a year for the last two years to get 
the smallest, well, smallest uh, three bedroom, but the smallest kind of flat, like not not a luxury place, mm. but just the smallest, but mm. that thirty six k a year. And I had um, given birth two years before, so I had a two year old, and mm. then I have my son, who as maybe your listeners know, I used to have said it before, but he's the first survivor of having no small intestines. So he's a complex needs child and requires nursing cares. And and, and well, it's, there's a lot to do with him. Yes. So excuse me for living people, but I had at that point not made 36K a year when I was with my daughter and my son. And it's one of these great unfairnesses and inequalities. I find that you would ask a mother to have earned 36K a year when she's in that situation she's being a mother yeah and you don't get paid for being a mother I don't get paid as a mother i don't get paid as a carer mm. and i needed a place and then they wouldn't give it to me unless i had a guarantor now my dad was happy to guarantee for me thank goodness but then they didn't appreciate that because my dad lives in germany it had to be a guarantor in this country we live in england and i don't have any family here and i didn't have a plethora of friends that had that kind of in, in with that had the income they if you had a guarantor the guarantor has to have an income over 60k and they have to sign their name under the dotted line that they'll pay for you if you default and i was yeah. coming kind of two kids good luck building a business from that place right so yeah what do i do what do i do what do i do is i go on facebook out of all places and go hello I need a guarantor. Is there anybody who has more than 60K income to guarantee for me or would be willing to do so? I mean, what a silly thing to do. But what are you going to do? Yeah. And what happened was that my former community nurse that looks after my son and she had retired reached out to me and said, look, I've got a house that's paid off. I've watched you. I'm happy for you that you're that you're doing this. You need to, to be doing this. I've been thinking about you and I will guarantee for you. And I'm like, wow, you would do that for me? And she said, yes, I would. Mm -hmm. And I know you'll be fine. I trust you. If anyone can do it, it's you. And I was so touched. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, as often these stories, as often in these stories, she said, somebody helped me when I needed it. And it's, yeah. my, time. it's my time to to pay it back or forward or whatever. If I can help you, I know this will this will this will go far. And so she signed her name under the dotted line so I could rent a flat. Wow. What a story. Isn't that amazing? How strangers have been extreme. I mean, she's not a stranger, stranger, but community nurse. Like she's not even involved. She doesn't have to do that. No. Kind I am so moved when people are so people have been incredibly kind to me. I've needed and I do need a lot of help in my life. Mm. And people help like I really am very moved of how loved and, and how much help I receive. But can I just reflect that I think you give out as much of that as you receive? Anything to say, thank you. <laughs> I do like helping people. Mm. And it's interesting to me how it's not necessarily the same person so i help that person and those people help me but sometimes i feel so sometimes i feel like a real taker because i receive so much um and it takes me somebody to remind me evelyn you, you are incredibly generous i'm like oh, am i oh yeah i guess i am when i can 
I am so there. And, and I get, I'm in a privileged position of angel sometimes to people in their life. And, and that's a really beautiful position to be in. So it's true. I do give when I do give. And I guess I don't give as much. There's a person in me that thinks she should be doing a certain way of giving. That's probably a familiar thing for many. Yeah. And I can't keep up with her. I'm not as good as her. Yeah. But, but I am generous in my own way. And I come up with quirky things. I got a, I got a woman, a homeless woman off the street in March. Yeah. Um, within four days. That was pretty cool. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And these things sometimes you, yeah, like you say, you don't acknowledge because it's not in the form that you think it should be. Yeah. We, we all have those narratives. But, um, I love the stories. Thank you for tickling that out. Yeah. It's always a source for me of great comfort and, and a reminder that we all have the capacity to, it's, it's a currency kindness and it's free at source. Mm, you know I love that kindness is a currency mm. yeah, and it's I mean it's literally what I want I, I taught my son I want my son to know when you need something you ask someone yeah. you know they talk about stranger danger don't talk to strangers I do the opposite I say talk to strangers every friend you have started out as a stranger, stranger. interesting yeah. If you teach people not to, or children not to talk to strangers then then you wonder why it's so difficult for them to make contact later on in life yeah your yeah. business your network everything is about talking to strangers so it's not about not talking to strangers but i want you to ask for help and talk to strangers but what you don't do is follow things people want from you like if somebody says go in my car or somebody says here's a bubble gum come with me you don't do that but you do say hello and you do say what you need and yeah. see if you can get it when you need it so that's a, a differentiation for me um and it is, it's teaching that duality. It's like, there is no hard, fast rule. We, we have to start to trust our intuition, but it's, it starts from a place of receptive. There's generosity out there and not starting from a place of fear. It's that the difference between scarcity and abundance, it yeah. just helps enable things. Most people I will say are kind. And then there are some people who are really not. Yeah. Yeah. And our job is to find out who to discern between the two, but I want myself and my children to live in the idea that most people really are kind exactly. so because it's just a much healthier way to live yeah. and it allows you to be more kind right precisely precisely rather than be always on the defensive oh, why are you looking at me why are you doing this why yeah hello how are you yeah absolutely and that's the that's the world that i want to try and shape and craft and be part of you know that that bit where you can trust and and there is kindness and that even when you encounter things that might at first feel hostile, that there's a fear behind that, mm -hmm. that perhaps you can even break down those barriers with a conversation, with some empathy. You know, that's it's a lesson that I learned quite late in life, I would say. It's been sort of evolving for me. And now that's that's part of how I show up as a coach for sure. I love that. And what's the impact of that when you show up that way? That it it helps me open the world. You know, I I have I have so many more um, connections, and yeah, it's it's that space where you realize there is so much more to give, um, mm. and and therefore, and it goes both ways. I, I I talk to my son about this. He's he he did physics at A level, and I say, you know, it's like an equal and opposite reaction, and he's like, no, mom, that's not a thing. 
you know, but I think it is. I think what you put out there does reverberate back. And, you know, it's like it it definitely has an impact, a positive impact on you. Not that that's a, you know, this is not about manipulation or, but it it's that overall, if you can be a net giver at the end, when we talked about looking back on your life, and I don't think this is something many people do, which is to say, how do you want people to remember you at that funeral? And this is all part of that that story, I guess. Mm, I like that. How do you want people to remember you? For that generosity of spirit, for somebody who made a positive contribution to the spaces that you you inhabit, wherever they are. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it's amazing how often people will use the word warm to describe me. Oh, your warmth in a room, even if it's a Zoom room. And that's not something I intentionally set out to be. I will be warm. I will be warm. I'll be, but you know, it, if somebody says to me, gosh, a conversation with you is like, like a warm hug. Okay. You can come again. Yeah. That's, you know, that's what you aim for. But it depends who he's talking with. I mean, well, it man, does. It does. I mean, there are times where we have to just draw the line and say, I'm not giving out hugs today because I'm fucking pissed off. But um, but no, I think I think that when when we look at our compass and and how, you know, and 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 that that's not to say I'm some sort of amazing angel who always operates like that in the world. It's just that is my access to ease mm, and creativity. Nice. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So we always finish up, and I knew this question would be a great one for you because you're such a singer and performer with a piece of music because we have a collective wisdom podcast playlist and music has been a source of great comfort for me. And I love the diversity and the variety and the, the creativity that goes into making it. So what's the song you're going to add to the playlist? <laughs> As you're speaking, I'm going through my albums like <laughs> <laughs> it's so much harder for people who actually write music. Yeah. yeah so I was like, give me one song. I've got like a couple of albums <laughs> that are just here. So I mean, my goodness, plan. Just put the links and we'll put the links in the show notes. <laughs> um, so the song that fits what we spoke about most is the song I Won't Give Up. Because in the in the bridge. It goes, who are you to tell me what's real? Do you think it's wrong to live by the way that you feel? Who are you to tell me what's real? Do you think it's wrong to live by the way that you feel? Wow. And then I won't give up is the chorus. Like it's always a conclusion. Yeah. But then you can hear the rebel coming in. So they tell me to be like this. They tell me not to do that. They tell me this is how it's going to be. But no, who are you to tell me what's real? It's the it's the opposite of the who do I think I am. It's like who do you think you are to tell me to ask me who I am? Because who cares? Like who are you to tell me what's real? Brilliant. You don't know that. I don't know that. So let me be. You be. Let's be. So that's I won't give up. Um, and um, and I'm. The, the hesitancy in there is like, oh, the sound of the song is a bit 80s. It's a bit dated. I wish I had a more modern slant. I've got more modern things now, but they're not on Spotify as such. So I think that's a really good song. Yeah. Um, 
for this for that spotless and if we're talking we didn't talk much about fear but i wrote one song about fear because i'm probably the only one that has experienced a lot of fear in her life i know but just in case somebody else out there <laughs> i love it when you're so ironic <laughs> <laughs> the occasional bout of fear the song cliffs of insanity speaks to that because i felt at some points in my life, actually, that I was going crazy and I was standing on the edge of the cliffs of insanity. Wow. When your thinking takes you into chasms so deep and dark that you don't know whether you're going to live or die, that sort of, you know. Yeah. I'm not dramatic any at all, but that's... <laughs> but also yeah. that you faced, you know, being told that you have a little baby who's so vulnerable, you know, that's that's a place of real fear. It's yeah, now this song has been written way before. Wow. Yeah. Happened, but that, that was more in my internal quest of anyone who's a got, if you've got a more porous mind, a transparent mind, an artistic, like we have access to quite a lot of, how do you want to call it? It just can go really broad and far and high and deep and low. Mm. And so when I was in Berlin, I remember it questions opened up and chasms opened up in front of me mentally where I thought wow if you go down that track way of thinking I could see why was it Kant or Kleist some German philosophers and I've read, read I've read their works and I was very impressed with what they said and one of them came to the conclusion that he couldn't be alive and this was during the Nazi regime because he could not uh, be a stand in this world while this philosophy was going on so he decided to take his own life and the, the argumentation was very convincing to me. And I remember going to my teacher and I was so worried. I said, what if I come to a point in my thinking where I realize that the way of me being in the world isn't compatible with the way that this world operates? Like, what am I going to have to take my own life? Like, oh, I, I don't want to die. I don't want to have to do that. And I got really intense about it. Mm. And, and I was very fortunate to have a wise teacher who said, no, you don't have to do that. And you're not, I think it was Kleist, you're not him. And this is not the same time. And it's wonderful that you can empathize and, and follow the thought and the stream of thinking. You're in a different time, in a different body, in a different space, and you can make different choices because there's different options. And I went, ooh. But I could see how your thinking can really take you places that become very intense. Yeah. And so can your thinking take you into places that are extremely blissful, which is what I have the honor to do now. I get to reshape people's lives with the quality of their thinking, with the quality of their beingness. But the song Cliffs of Insanity speaks to that space where we're not sure what's going on. And so I have this, there's a, the, the line in there, life almost scared me to death. Life almost scared me to death. And then, then it changes around. First I go, life almost scared me to death. And I say it four times, life almost scared me to death. But then now being so scared of it all. Look at me, being so scared of it all. Watch me, baby, being so scared of it all. I feel free, standing tall on the edge of the cliffs of insanity. Wow. And then, then as the song goes on, I explore the idea that we might have come around a few times already. And so it becomes, uh, life almost scared me to death, though death might be before life. So life might just be between deaths. What am I afraid knowing that I've already died? 
And these words come through me. I don't, I'm not like, I don't, you know, they just came through me, but they, I love the depth that they have because you don't have to go into the esoteric realm to understand them. There is also the little deaths that we face when we do something new. Mm. Every time you do something, if you go on stage or you surrender to a new a position that you have, let's say you take a new job on, you don't know how to be in that leadership role, you start your own business. I mean, you're, you're dying to your old employee self. You, you know, you're dying to your old self that was introverted and didn't want to be out. And now you're putting yourself on camera. We die a lot of deaths in our life, a, a marriage falling apart. We die a lot of deaths in our life. Yeah. So we get scared of that. We are always scared of losing what we have, of dying to who we think we are, only to find that we get reborn into who we become. And so if life is between deaths, what am I afraid knowing I've already died? And that is this idea of embracing the idea that you'll 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 continuously be dying to something and yourself in many many ways. L allow yourself to 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 be free in that in that suspension, yeah. Between that attend between that um that grip that we usually have on ourselves, and there's a really beautiful space of freedom. So I wanted to bring that in as well as an idea. That's cliffs of insanity. Sorry, I went a bit deep there. No, that is amazing. That is amazing. And I, I loved what you were Madonna saying. Girl. Just stick to Madonna. <laughs> but it's that it's that moment where you almost have to let go and be prepared to lose something in order to explore the unknown, the future. Yeah. A different future. Indeed. Wow. So it's the podcast is called Collective Wisdom. I always collect a little piece of wisdom, not something that you would advise other people, because I think it's so difficult to say, you know, I would need to tailor my advice to that person, how old they were, what the situation was, but a piece of wisdom that you've carried with you that's perhaps been a source of comfort, a source of help. Just a little piece of wisdom makes them... <laughs> So the piece that helped me navigate the most intense times in my life, for example, when my son was born and I was told that he wasn't going to make it, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, is this, there's a trust, but also a decision that I get to make again and again about what life is. And and I, the thing that touched me when I learned it from Marion Williamson, who expressed it so beautifully, is that we come from love, we go back to love, and we are love. And so that is a that is that's a piece of wisdom that I carry with me. I come from love. I will go back to love eventually, and I am love. And so then that same is true for my boy. He came from love. He will go back to love and he is love. And then what's determined is when that happens and, and how that happens. But I see my, my role is to bring as much love in between. And I had a wonderful therapist that once said that humans are the only species. I don't know why she said it that way, but it just stuck that we generate love, that we literally generate the energy of love. That's what we can do with our systems. And so it's my great pleasure to be a love generator on this world. And this world has more love because I'm in it. I 
fucking make sure of that, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> you absolutely do. You absolutely do. That's my um, that's my wisdom pet with a little bit of rude humour. Um, brilliant. Yeah, there you are. Brilliant, are. brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Well, listen, Evelyn, it's been an absolute joy, a pleasure. I knew it would be. It's been entertaining. We've had singing. We haven't had any dancing, but we'll leave that for the next take. Where can anyone who has been listening to this and wants to know more about how they can work with you, find you, where should they look? In my secret cavern, that's the internet. If you go on to www.evelynbrink.com, you will find the entrance to my magical portal. So the important thing here is to know how to spell Evelyn. Yes. Because that is the, the only the initiated will find me. I think unless Google only if uh, it was meant to happen, they'll find you. Yeah, if it's like really meant to happen, you got a sign. But <laughs> otherwise, just know that there's an E at the end that will also help. E V E L Y N E B R I N K. Brink as in on the brink, clearly. Yeah. Evelyn, with three E's, one in the front, one in the middle, and one in the back. Evelynbrink.com, that's where you find me. And there are there are really nice things on my website to play with. There's an impact assessment that you might want to take to see where your next level of elevating your impact is. There is a quiz, whether you're more masculine, operating in your masculine or your feminine in business specifically. There is like lots of little things to play with. There's a fantastic TED Talk. Oh, I yeah. highly recommend watching. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. It's a TED Talk I did the other day. Yeah. It's fantastic and well Thank worth you. a watch. Um, so, yeah, there will be links in the show notes as ever. But if you're just listening to this in the car, just write it down. Three E's. No, don't take your hands off the steering wheel and write it down. No, I didn't mean that. I just meant take note. Three E's and brink. Dot com. Thank you. Dot com. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. You're so good at this. This is really, <laughs> I knew you would be. I knew you would be when we connected. But you're really excellent at drawing up the stories and, and summarizing the, the, the snippets in a way that has that warmth and that, that beautiful elegance. So well done. This was very enjoyable for me also. You can come again. That's brilliant. Oh, but no, it's been a pure pleasure. Thank you so much, Evelyn. And I'm indebted to you. We'll speak soon. Thank you. And thank you to all your lovely listeners and, and viewers for being with us today and sharing this. Lots of love. Thanks very much. Bye for now. What a worthy goal to make sure this world has more love because I'm in it. I think looking back on our lives and reflecting on our achievements and then looking forward to how we want to show up, who we want to be, that's something we don't always do. And it can be a very powerful exercise. And that nudge from Adana to write down a list of things, tiny little things that bring you joy every single day and then notice how you feel when you add them to your to-do list. We've got a beautiful episode next week with my friends Alison and Elisa from Soul Coo. I know you're going to love it, but I hope in the meantime, you have a fantastic week finding the things that bring you joy. You heard it from Mary Oliver. Don't hesitate. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. 
You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.